Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, Postables. You're listening to Deliver Me a Podcast, brought to you by Casey, Jess, and Cami. A special thanks to James Jandrish for letting us use music on our show. Now, grab some YooHoo, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome back, Postables, to a very exciting interview. We have here Joanna Davidson Politano joining us because her book, this one right here, The Love Note releases today super exciting so congrats (laughs) on launch day joanna and welcome to the podcast oh thank you i'm excited to be with you guys yeah this is about the uh sorry tell tell us about the uh facebook event happening tonight yes so we have love letters and literature happening tonight i'm really excited it's going to be a bunch of authors who have letters in their books and we're going to be featuring some um, podcast visitors um, and having some letter reading and stuff like that, a lot of giveaways. Um, so that is on a Facebook event page at, I think, 6 o'clock Central Time. Awesome. I wonder I what guests you might a, be I, I there. How do you not know? I, I happen to be a I happen to be a guest reader tonight, so you get to hear me twice. <laughs> Yay! And are there going to be any uh, giveaways or any fun swag that'll be happening? Oh yes, there are going to be uh, I believe some book giveaways and some signed, sealed, and delivered giveaways. I think we have oh. a DVD or something like that. So yeah, definitely worth checking into. Nice. Super fine postables. Come uh, find us tonight. I'll probably pop in. You can hear Cammie and her wonderful theatrical presentation of this letter. I don't really even know what it's about, but I'm here for it. (laughs) It's the letter from Persuasion. Ooh, one of yeah. the best letters in literature there is mm. that's amazing that's, that that's that's quite the letter Oof. super <laughs> fine i've been i've been reading through it to practice and yikes whoa <laughs> <laughs> if, a, if a man were to write me that kind of letter i'd be gone in 10 seconds flat <laughs> <laughs> mr hooked hardy do you hear that <laughs> yeah <laughs> mr cammy oh man to get mr cammy to write this kind of a letter yeah i don't think it's in his blood (laughs) (laughs) so joanna um could you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started into writing sure um i started out as a medical writer in the pharmaceutical field uh, many years ago i was there for about eight years Um, I learned a whole lot about pharmaceuticals and the way they're run and it's very interesting. Um, and then after, after being in there several years, I started needing a creative outlet and, um, I started writing the story of my great grandparents 
And it just kind of flowed out scene after scene after scene like a novel. And I was so hooked on writing stories. I just love stories. That is super fun. And your grandparents too. I mean, was it hard trying to gather that? Because sometimes writing something very personal can be a little difficult, but, um, or did you embellish it or anything or? Um, well, I took stories that my grandma told me. These are her parents. And when they came over to the United States from Norway, and there were a bunch of family secrets that were so surprising to me. And so I just started collecting all this information from our conversations. And, you know, she was sick, so she was on the couch. And pretty much what we did was just talk all the time. And this story just evolved, and it was amazing. So I tracked down the truth of the story, because there were several versions in my family, uh, through birth and death <laughs> certificates and things like that. It was really interesting. Family folklore. <laughs> yeah. So then I, um, I started writing out my great-grandfather's story, and there were like threads of it that were so, uh, that I identified with so much. And it was like almost therapeutic to write it. It was so mm -hmm. much fun. Um, he was actually a pianist in the silent movie theaters when he was a young teenager because he was kicked out of his house very young. Um, and so he had a whole fascinating life and was just one of the most unusually humble and sweet people despite all of it. So it was really fun to write his story. Yeah, that's so awesome that yeah. you got to kind of learn all that and then write about it. Um, it was so wonderful. So besides your newest book, you've written a couple others as well, um, like Lady Jane yes. Disappears, um, Finding Lady Enderly, and it seems like most of those are set in Victorian England. Um, is there like uh, a reason you have this preference or a connection that you have to this time period that you like to write about it? Not so much of a connection, but it's, I've read a lot of literature that was written in that time period. Um, I love Dickens. Charles Dickens is one of my favorites. Um, so I just felt very at home writing in that era. Um, and I don't know, once I, I submitted Lady Jane to a publisher, it was the first uh, Victorian novel that I wrote, and they decided to brand me Victorian England. I stuck with it. <laughs> that makes it easy. <laughs> it does. <laughs> so out of all the books that you've released, do you have a favorite one or one that was the most meaningful to you? Absolutely. Well, the first one was meaningful just because it was my first published book. It was the Obviously, yeah. uh, kind of an entertainment of a dream. And it was fun to write because I didn't have any deadlines or pressure and I didn't plan on showing it to anybody. So that was really easy. Um, <laughs> but out of all, I've now written five books. And I think the second one was the most difficult to write. Um, I had a, a baby the same week my contract came in, the same week I found out my book topic. And oh, wow. first, when you have a newborn, you don't sleep, right? So um, it was very difficult. I had to write that book in 10 months. And for most of the book, I was just like, I can't do this. I can't do this. This is terrible. This is terrible. But what was awesome about writing that book was, first of all, it totally undercut my um, self-reliance. Mm -hmm. forced me in the last six weeks of writing that book to figure out how to rely on God and to write not just... Um, books that were like a, like for him and for a ministry purpose, but like with him, with his help and with um, his ideas and things like that, and just being very submitted to him. Um, and aside from that, the book, the romance thread in that book is based loosely on my husband and I's romance. 
Um, it's he's very Italian and I'm very quiet Norwegian. We're very different. <laughs> and when I first met him, I did not like him. <laughs> <laughs> so it has threads of our love story in there and kind of how he changed my mind, how God changed my mind, um, and how he ended up being just the perfect person for me. So that book will always hold a special place in my heart. The love note was equal, well, not equally, almost as difficult to write. Um, God completely rewrote the ending. He completely changed what direction I had been going and nudged me a different direction. And so that one also became a favorite. And it was something that, like the ending was something I needed to hear personally. So it was, he wrote it to me. <laughs> oh, that's so interesting because I mean, when I was reading the love note, no spoilers, I was completely <laughs> like, what just happened here? <laughs> oh man, that's <laughs> Wow. <laughs> the person who ended up writing the note was not the person that I saw writing the note when I was reading it. <laughs> yeah. No way. I had a totally different person in mind at the beginning. I had a totally different purpose for the letter. Everything about it changed because wow. I, don't know, I was about 70% of the way through and I realized oh. this story was all wrong. Yeah. Yeah, so, I guess yeah. the writer pretty early on, but I was floored by the recipient of the letter who was intended yes, to be that too. <laughs> yes, right. for sure. At least they could surprise you on one layer. <laughs> <laughs> and she does not surprise easily, so well done. Good. You surprised Jess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fun. Do you have a book that was the most fun to write? I mean, we kind of touched about your favorites and you know, all of that, but is it, was it the one with your husband because of um, that relationship? That one was painful to write. Oh, oh. <laughs> but it was not because of it being about my husband, just because I was writing in little snatches of 10 and 20 minutes and feeling completely inadequate for most of the book. Oh, and it just, okay. it wasn't working out very well. And I was right. struggling to get it down on paper, but the research I did into the vineyards and the spiritual uh, depth that I mined from that, I will never forget that experience and the experience of coming alongside alongside God to write. That was just incredible. So that was probably, I also enjoyed writing the love story and finding Lady Enderly. It has a very literary bent and mm. it was unusual and it was just fun. It was a lot of fun to write. Awesome. Um, do you have any anything you're working on now or any upcoming books that you would like to tease or briefly talk about? Oh, sure. I just turned in a book to my publisher that is set in the Victorian theater. Ooh, Tammy. speaking my language. <laughs> it is about the ballet, and oh, it was wow. difficult for me to write because I'm not, I'm not so coordinated. I'm not a ballet person, but my daughter is in love with the ballet. She's six, uh -huh. She dances and twirls in little circles all the time, and uh, she started taking ballet lessons, so I started taking her to live ballets when I started writing this book. And I have to admit, the first time I walked into Sleeping Beauty I took her to, I was floored. It was like <laughs> the color and the artistry, it was gorgeous. And my little four-year-old was so hooked to that ballet. And so the book that resulted from all this research and all these live ballets was full of color and life. And it was just... it was so much fun to put down on paper. Mm -hmm. wow. Oh, that's so, so fun. 
That one comes out in a year. I just turned that one in. And then after that, um, I'm setting a book in a totally different uh, setting. This is a Victorian asylum. Ooh, and this is it, up my alley. That. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's slightly darker than my other books, but it's still not, it's not a horror. It's not anything violent or anything like that. Um, but it has to do, she's a concert pianist, the main character. So it has to do a little bit with um, the very beginning research of music therapy. Oh. So there's a lot so of light interspersed in the darkness. <laughs> that wow. is super fascinating. Huh. Yeah, it's intimidating too. We'll see how it turns out. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine that would be intimidating, but I mean, what a topic to touch on mm-hmm. because yeah, I'm a musician. A I, I, I fully believe in the power of music mm-hmm. and yeah. it's, there's nothing, there's nothing so healing as belting out Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> so true. I'm going to have to have a character who just belts out a song. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> Feel free to use my maiden name for the character because it's English. So oh, <laughs> wonderful. So as you're writing um, if, and you're researching and doing all this work for your books, um, especially in these time periods that they're in, um, what are you a pantser or are you a plotter? Very much a pantser. Um, <laughs> I have to write by the seat of my pants. I tried so hard to be a plotter with the current book, The Love Note. Mm-hmm. I spent months fleshing out the most detailed outline with character sketches and, you know, bridges between all the chapters, figuring out how to get from point A to point B. And I was so excited about it. And then I started to put it down on paper and I was just like, this is flat. This is awful. <laughs> and there are so many holes and it just, it wasn't working and it was cheesy. Oh, it was terrible. So I threw out the whole um, outline I did. I, I, took the first chapter that I wrote and then everything else after that I was like nope it's gone um I I have to be able to write or I don't know what's going to happen because Mm -hmm. it just it somehow allows for the characters to kind of I get to know them and then they take over the story um it allows for a lot more dependence on God and just Mm -hmm. conversations throughout um instead of depending on my own strength of my outline and plotting methods um, it's just, it's just like an adventure where you can't see further than the next step. And it's so mm-hmm. much more. Yeah. I don't think I've, I've had a single author here or on the Hallmark East podcast who's been a true plotter. I think mm-hmm. everyone's pretty much a pantser. And I think because like, kind of like you're alluding to, like, you can plot as much as you want, but then something's not going to work, or maybe it doesn't like line up with the character and you just have to right. be able to switch gears and then your whole plot's just gone. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, People say, I've talked to a lot of plotters who say you can like tweak and stuff like that as you go. You can't. You get one <laughs> character that you didn't understand right. Mm-hmm. Like when you see them actually talking and living, it's just different. And then they take the story and it turn it completely 90 degrees of different angle. And it's just, it's a total loss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's, pro- maybe that's my problem because like I've always wanted to write a book and um, our, our mutual friend, Rachel Fordham is like, Casey, Jess, and Cami, your assignment is to write a novel. And we're like, <laughs> okay. okay, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, in, like, I've always been this way, but in college when I, you know, took creative writing and advanced creative writing and all this stuff, I would plot everything. And then I get to the paper and I'm like, got to stick to the plan. And then I'm like, dead. 
I can't figure out what I'm writing. I can't figure out the characters. I can't even figure out where I'm going. And I'm like, ah, because I'm so, um, I'm so planner driven too. Like I'm Mm -hmm. a planner. I live by my planner. Like it's just a thing. So I feel like maybe if I just like rip that off. No, but that's what I'm saying. Maybe I just need to like throw that away and just like be a pantser. Like be a pantser club. Join the club. Join the pantser club. I will say this. I'm a total planner. Like my planner is always open on my kitchen table. I live by it. I depend Mm -hmm. on it. But like when it comes to writing, I think God likes to kind of shake it up a little bit and say, no, we're going to do something out of your comfort zone. And that's where the best, best writing comes from is out of your comfort zone. So it's worth a shot, but I I do plan a little bit when I get stuck. I'm like, okay, let's think about what's going to happen in the next like three scenes. And I plot that, but Mm -hmm. that's like, that's as far as I go, but that does help. Well, you know, the old saying, if you want to make God laugh, make plans. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Very true. Very true. So Joanna, I have another question about um, writing. I've noticed that you write in first person, at least the ones that I've, I've read, I've started to read. Um, and what, what, what has brought you to write in th- first person? Because a lot of it is like third person omniscient or whatever. Yeah. So when I wrote my first novel, not knowing how to write a novel, it came out in first person. Um, it helped me feel more closely connected to the character who was my great grandfather. Mm. And it just kind of flowed out that way. I experimented going back and forth between first and third. I originally wrote Lady Jane in third person. And uh, one of my good writing friends, Don Crandall, who writes in first person as well, was just like, think how much more interesting this would be if it was in first person. I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. And it was so much more natural. So I think everybody has a natural writing voice. And that includes Mm -hmm. point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of people who are turned off by first person point of view, and that's fine because there are a lot more people who would probably not like my book if it didn't sound organically, naturally like my voice, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. If first person is what's most natural for me. That's going to create the best story. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes a whole lot of sense. Um, and that was one thing that I had to remember to wrap my head around because I remember reading this and I was like, oh, we're in first person and I haven't read a story in first person in like years, like a really long time, especially when that was fiction, you know, but I think you do it so beautifully. And I feel like because it was in first person, I was able to like dive into the, like the shoes of the characters even more and just like kind of embody them uh, differently Mm -hmm. than how I would read a book that was written in third. So. Yeah. And it's easier for me as the writer too, because Mm -hmm. I'm not writing at a distance about these people that I'm looking at, I'm like walking through the story with them. Mm-hmm. It's a totally different writing experience. So I enjoy that. I enjoy it first person. Yeah. Fun. All righty. Let's segue into your book that is now, <laughs> you can buy the love note anywhere that you can find books, anywhere where books are sold. So be sure to check it out. <laughs> the love note. Woo! Woo! <laughs> we won't give anything away. Yes, hashtag, no spoilers. So what inspired you to write this book about a mysterious love note? Because that's the whole thing driving. I, I almost imagined, uh, if it were in, if it were in a movie sense, I almost imagined the camera following the paper. 
you know, yes. <laughs> so it was yes. almost from the it was almost from the paper's point of view. <laughs> so. It was the storyline definitely followed that piece of paper around. Mm -hmm. So. Um, it kind of came as a last minute inspiration. My publisher had asked me for three new story ideas for my new contract. And um, they rejected one of my story ideas and said, send us another one. And I think they said like by tomorrow or something. And I was like, but I don't have any other stories. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I actually looked at Rachel Fordham's book that was, I think, close to releasing or just released, um, Yours Truly Thomas. And it was yeah. about a lost love letter. And I was just like, I love that concept. Mm -hmm. I love it. I think it would be really fabulous. And um, I have been thinking of a lot about my grandparents and their romance that took place during World War II. Most of their dating relationship was through letters. They met a handful of times Aww. before they got married, but most of it, and my grandma was writing to several different soldiers at the time, but um, she and my grandpa used to write back and forth and he would send her little drawings and cartoons. He's an artist. Aww. And so the majority of them getting to know each other was what they chose to tell each other in letters. And I just thought, man, how easy would it be to read something into a letter or misconstrue mm -hmm. it? And so that kind of led me to be like, okay, what if other people pick up this love letter and read into it what they think it is and that, that they think it's for them from some secret admirer? And so it kind of evolved from there. And then when I was I kept hitting brick walls when I was writing this story. And one of my very good local writing friends, or well, she's a reader actually. Uh, one of my very good local friends says, hey, watch Science Sealed and Delivered if you want some inspiration. And I was like, what Science Sealed and Delivered? She's like, here you go, here's some, here's some episodes for you. And I watched the, um, I didn't know that there was an order to it. So I watched, um, I don't remember which one I started with. And I was floored. I was just like, give me more of that, please. That was <laughs> wonderful. It was amazing and brilliant the way they had um, a lot of truth very subtly woven into the storyline. It was never preachy. It was never corny. A lot of times it was unexpected, mm -hmm. um, the way the storyline went. And um, like I told Rachel, I could watch it with my kids in the room and feel totally comfortable. Um, so I ended up getting all the movies and all the shows and kind of binge watching over the period of a few weeks while I started writing this book. And it just, I didn't directly take any storylines um, from, from the show, of course, mm -hmm. but it was more just the, the desire to um, connect these people with their lost letters and the important, most of these letters in the show are like a linchpin, like a huge, huge deal to their mm -hmm. stories, their lives. And so that really inspired me while I was writing my story. And I made, it made the letter a much bigger deal in my book than mm -hmm. I had ever thought it would be. Uh, and postables, if you buy this book and read it, make sure to check out the dedication because it is dedicated to the postables. It so. is dedicated it is to the postables. Touch. <laughs> yeah, see, that's the part that came next. After I watched the show, I discovered this amazing group of people who also love the show. <laughs> and I really enjoyed watching them react to the, the marathons and stuff like that and just support each other and talk to each other. I cannot believe that all these strangers were um, becoming friends and really watching out for each other on, online. I thought that was just the coolest. And there were three of them who actually became very good friends of mine. And uh, they helped me with my books, the planning and things like that. And they're just wonderful people. Well, I have to tell you something that particularly struck me about the book because 
when when you said that when you first met your husband you didn't even like him and so you wrote <laughs> yes. a story uh basically about your romance that's my husband and me that's, that's <laughs> it, really funny it is when i when my husband and i met i was waiting for another guy to come home from his mission service he was he was on a mission for our church and he was gone for two years and I met him after, uh, I met Will after this other guy had been gone for one year. And Will, <laughs> ju Will just snuck his way in. <laughs> <laughs> but at first I did not like him. And then he became my friend and then, and then he made himself completely uh, completely uh, valuable to me so that I couldn't yeah. do without him anymore. And it was, it was just so beautiful. And I, there was a quote in your, in your book that I particularly want to say, and it doesn't give anything away, postables. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't spoil anything, but there's a, um, there's another letter. This is not, this is not part of the love note, but it's another letter that the main character receives uh, by a very famous poet. And I won't say any more about that. <laughs> but this, this just spoke to me. And this is when, this is when I started crying. And that, that, happens in books for me but it happens more in movies because I'm more of a visual person even though I'm I'm authoring a novel myself I see I see it in my head and I write down what I see and so for me to be touched by something in a book so deeply it's got to be very close to home or very well written or both and so I just I had to read this part don't concern yourself so much with the great search for passion and sparks. Those can be cultivated as well as found, often with greater reward. We are both like flags, you and I, erratic and passionate, colors on display, blowing wherever the wind takes us. Do not be afraid to marry a man who's firmly planted to earth, for he is the flagpole to your flag, not restricting, but anchoring so that you may be free to fly. In return, you shall decorate the dull gray metal of his life forevermore. That was so beautiful to me because my husband is the sturdy one, the solid one, the one who mm -hmm. kind of calms me down. And <laughs> I'm the one who's more passionate, very artistic, and just out there. And he supports every one of the dreams that I spout off. And even when he doesn't agree with them necessarily, <laughs> he just says, okay, let's figure out a way to make it work. And it's That's just beautiful. such, it, it, it is. And it is such a beautiful picture and such a, a beautiful image. And it's something that I have never, ever considered before. And that was just, that was such an, an amazing piece of writing. So thank you so much you. for giving me a new, <laughs> a new sense of imagery because that was just so gorgeous. Thank you. That's something that has evolved uh, in my thinking through my marriage. I mean, it's 
due to my husband that I even got published because he is the one who grounded me and got the the legwork of the writing. And he's like, okay, you got to do this and then you got to do it. And, you know, me being my passionate kind of erratic self, I'd be like, oh, I'll write three chapters in this story. Then I feel like writing a chapter in this story and I'm never going to send it anywhere. And he's <laughs> like, nope, you're going to send a story in because you're going to get published. And I'm like, but I'm nervous. And he's like, you're going to do it. <laughs> so he's been the flagpole to my crazy flag. And um, he's very practical, very steady, um, very, very dedicated to his family. And he kind of makes it possible for me to sneak away and write. He encourages me um, when I get discouraged and things like that. And I bring a little bit of excitement and goofiness to his world. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, were we twins in another life? I mean, my gosh, <laughs> probably. Because you like to write, yes. I do, yeah. I have a different style, like I said. I watch the movie in my head and I write down mm -hmm. what I see. That's how my inspiration comes. But mm, yeah. That's very cool. It is, it is very cool. And it's not something that I, it's not something I cultivated. It's something that just kind of came to me. So. Very cool. I want to hear more about that sometime. <laughs> I would be glad to tell you. <laughs> but we'll uh, spare the other two from boredom. <laughs> All righty, you guys. It is now time for the next segment. The segment that we are all here. Why, why this podcast even exists. Sign, seal, deliver! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> So Joanna, you've told us um, a bit about how you discovered SSD. Um, so do you have a favorite episode or movie out of the series? Um, my number one favorite is Higher Ground. Um, I cried several times through that movie. It's a I good the, one. The music in it also kind of got to me. Just the way they played with their heart and soul. It was so, it just threaded right through the story beautifully and I loved it. Um, it, so it, it's going to be hard for them to ever top that one, honestly. That was really good. Um, the other one I would say is, I think it's called Lost Without You, mm -hmm. yep. where they go camping, Oliver and his father. Yep. Yes. Yep. That one was also terrific. It was just every little scene built up and built up until it was just the perfect ending, and I loved it. Oh. It was amazing. That ending <laughs> is my favorite. It was yeah. beautiful. Wasn't my it? favorite. Like, <laughs> here's the bucket. Scenes. Here are my tears. Here's the bucket. Here are my tears. <laughs> just, just go listen to our coverage of Lost Without You, and you'll hear just how much Casey gushed about it. Oh yeah, you'll probably even see tears coming to my eyes because it's just so beautiful. It like, is so beautiful. Really written. Oh, so good. Mm -hmm. So so good. I mean, I feel like it's probably definitely my top favorite, like, moment. Just because there's so yeah. much in that scene. I mean, with the spiritual aspect and with them mm -hmm. finally really coming together, like, finally. Yeah. And, like, ah. <laughs> oh. After how long? <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. I mean, Forever. depending on if you binged it or if you watched it live. I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was only a few weeks for me. Yeah. <laughs> Lucky <Four> you. <laughs> Oh, so fine. What are you talking about, ladies? They came together after eight hours. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> um, which 
which character in SSD do you most identify with? Oh, probably a few of them. Um, I think Oliver's kind of quiet, um, his nature, and then uh, a little bit of Norman sort of behind the scenes thinking things through. Um, but I think more Rita than anything, sort of the quirky, you know, fixates on things like owls and gets excited and just an upbeat, happy individual, like that kind of personality. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I identify with that a lot. She, I, I really enjoyed watching her. She was just so sweet. And even as like a, a kind of a homecoming queen when she was in those episodes, she was just a doll. <sighs> she was such a sweetheart. And so I really, I don't know, watching her quirkiness and her personality and just the way she kind of fell in love. It just, it really resonated with me. Do you have a dance to go with her? <laughs> <laughs> and her character grows so much through the, through the entire canon of Seinfeld. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing to watch her be like this really shy, awkward girl, you know, and then she just she blossoms in so many different ways, but still keeps her true self. And she still keeps like that fun and that goofy side, you know? Yeah, so, it's just I like she opens that. up and becomes more her true self. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So if you could write an episode or a movie for SSD, <laughs> what would the premise be? Oh my goodness. That's a good question. I don't know. I love writing stories where people have to figure out what happened like a generation ago, like a long time, and how it impacts the modern, you know, how it impacts them today. And, you know, finding out what happened to your father or why this thing happened to an aunt and uncle or why these people are the way they are. And I feel like Science Sales and Deliver does that, not that far back, but they find letters from the past and they always affect the future. And I love that. I'm not even sure what I would use for a premise. I'd have to think about that a little bit. <laughs> but some kind of family history for sure. That's my favorite. And some kind of like really cool big old house and you know that's ruined or something like that. Maybe Ooh. Oliver could find a letter from his like great great grandfather O'Toole. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fun. And he yeah. was on the Pony Express. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> Oh, super fun. Do you have any ideas what they would do for the next movie? I know, like, we've kind of thought different things. Are you, are you um, mm. a fan of, yes, let's have a, a actual wedding movie, or are you more of a let's wait, or more of a wedding mm. in retrospect, retrospective? I love weddings. I want to see the dress. I want to see all the people. I want to see the vows. I that want to a see girl! Tears <laughs> and all the stuff. I will cry through the wedding because I cry through the happy parts. <laughs> but I think I would also like to see their marriage because we saw so much of their relationship building up. Mm -hmm. We saw them struggle to get around what was hindering them for so long. I just want to mm -hmm. see them together happy and learning to just be together. I, I just, I don't know. I love watching them on screen together. So. so many people feel that the romance ends when the marriage happens. Mm -hmm. And, you know, oh, oh they, they got married, the show's over. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> 
No, that's when the adventure starts. Are you kidding me? That's the best part. That's I know. The, yeah. the Casey, apparently too. our lives have been over for a while now. Yeah. Mine's <laughs> been over for eight and a half years. Uh, Poor me. To differ. <laughs> I'm eight and a half as well. Yeah, I don't feel like I don't feel like we're anywhere near gone yet. <laughs> oh, no. Every day feels like a new event, adventure, especially when there are kids involved and a oh, bunch yeah. of shenanigans. I mean... <laughs> Uh, oh yes always unexpected things coming yeah it doesn't yeah. end <laughs> yeah like uh, my daughter had community um community day community helper. service helper day yes and she was uh -huh. like I'm gonna be a teacher so put her in her little outfit and then she just starts like talking all posh and everything <laughs> like, mommy need my cereal <laughs> like like where is this accent coming from all I teachers mean, are now British <laughs> answer with an Australian accent or something. <laughs> <laughs> just ridiculousness like that. It's just so fun. But yeah, I agree with you. I want to see a marriage. I want to see them struggle with like their normal married, married selves doing yeah. like married things, you know, like watch like Oliver get home. upset when she leaves the toothpaste cap on. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, like because so they're so opposite. Could identify with that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and learning to live together, too. I mean, you know, yeah. that's I dated my husband for five years, and I still had to figure out how to mesh our lives, because we didn't live together, and we were long distance, actually, so oh. that meshing is still going on sometimes. <laughs> my <laughs> word. <laughs> wow, five years. It, it I can't was, imagine. I was a hard sell. <laughs> Man, I thought I was a hard sell. <laughs> yeah, he told me, I think two weeks in, well, you're the girl I'm going to marry unless you decide you don't want to. So just let me know when you're ready. And he never mentioned it again. So I just took the time. I just, you know, I wasn't in a rush. And then I think I was about 29 and I was like, okay, um, I think I'm ready now. And he goes, okay, great. And didn't say anything again for a little while. And apparently he had to go ask my dad and get the ring. And, and then he proposed. <laughs> wow. So it took a little while, but. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad we're here. <laughs> <laughs> See, they could do so much. I mean, like, look at the three of us. We're all like <laughs> in our... <laughs> Again, shenanigans, the shenanigans of life and marriage and children oh, and man. moving yeah, and so just life, life. Alrighty. So we are going to segue into our last segment here, which is what well, we like to call it teen beat because we really have no other better way to call it <laughs> what it is, but we're going to do the author version and it's going to be just like author writing book fun questions. So just take it away. All right. So first question, what are you reading right now? Um, I'm reading a whole lot of books. <laughs> uh, I'm reading a book for endorsement coming out by Amanda Wen. I'm reading a book for endorsement by Michelle Greep, which is The Thief of Blackfriar Lane. Very, very good. Both of them are very, very good. Uh, I'm reading um, An Isaiah Story by Misu Andrews, which is, of course, phenomenal. She's a great writer. I'm reading Stay With Me by Becky Wade. <laughs> That's all that comes to mind at the moment. I think there's a few others. Oh, I just finished The Bright Unknown by Elizabeth Baylor-Yance, and it was fantastic. Oh. 
So uh, fiction or nonfiction? Because you've had ample amounts of both in your life. Mm -hmm. All of the above. I like it all. Um, I love a good story, though. There's just, there's nothing like it. But I'm also a pretty big fall down a history rabbit trail. So I have a huge stack of ballet history books. And I just read right through them and adored them. So I'll take, I'll take anything between, you know, two book covers. (laughs) Wow. Library or bookstore? Hmm. Both. I don't know. Library, probably. Because you have a lot more of the older, um, older title. Bookstores tend to carry the most recent title and they have probably fewer options. The libraries, depending on the size, can have a whole lot of choices and Mm -hmm. you get stuck on an author, you can check out a bunch of books by that author. So I like that. And it's free. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All right. Physical book or e-reader? Physical book. And I love my physical books. I love to hold it in my hands. Yeah. But I do like the e-readers when I'm on the go, you know, I'm waiting for a doctor's appointment or something like that. I love to be, I, so I always have something going on there too. Mm-hmm. But I love a physical book. A computer or pen and paper? I tried with the pen and paper. <laughs> <laughs> computer, definitely, because I, I write and then even within the same sentence, I'm editing and I'm, you know, making it a better sentence. So that, that's really hard on a notebook. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, English nerd question here. <laughs> English major nerd question here, I should say. <laughs> Oxford comma or no Oxford comma? Always the Oxford comma. Yeah. You're going to have to pry that comma out of my hands. <laughs> I don't know if my editors take it out. They might, but I always have it in there, so... <laughs> Awesome. What is your go-to writing snack? I love dry cereal, like the cinnamon and the chocolate cereal. Oh, it's terrible. Um, (laughs) Not so much like the marshmallow sugary cereals, but even like flake cereal or something. It's just a great little like snack. Oh, yeah. Cereos? Any of it. Yep. (laughs) If you could pick a favorite book or series, I know this is hard, but or a favorite author? Uh, can Ooh. can you can you pick one? That's really tough. Uh, Lion, Witch, <laughs> and the Wardrobe is like a standby favorite, of course. Oh, brilliant um, one! Oh, so Christy good. Christy Cambrin has written the most beautiful series, several series, but my favorite of hers is the Lost Castle series. Just oh. excellently, beautifully written, and I adore those books. And her as an author too. She everything she writes is beautiful. Wow. Oh. Like you can see the shape of her heart in her books. And she just has this lovely feminine, um, God-filled pro. It's just beautiful, beautiful stories. Wow. Wow. We'll have to check that out. Definitely. Yeah. Well, Joanna, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, Postables, do not forget tonight and join the uh, launch party of... The Love Note on Facebook. Yay! We'll be sure to promote it and we'll be sure to um, put a link in the Facebook group and on Twitter. And Joanna, are, is there any um, social media social media that you want to shout out? Uh, my Facebook author page, Joanna Davidson Politano, is where I post the most. Uh, my newsletter will have the earliest updates and some more personal things. 
Um, I'm also on Twitter and on Instagram and a little bit on Pinterest. Okay. Well, go ahead and follow you there. And I didn't, I didn't, I don't know if I knew about the newsletter. I'll have to sign up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Go find that and sign up. All right, you guys, we will be back next week to recap one of our favorite movies. Fire ground! Woo! <laughs> Just uh, prepare a whole fleet of mops. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Puss will start sending Jess some mops. I mean, yeah. we're gonna. <laughs> to me. She's gonna need it. I'll be broke if I buy them all myself. <laughs> <laughs> maybe send Cammy and I some buckets too, and maybe Kleenex. <laughs> Yeah, boxes of Kleenex. That would that would be nice. Yeah, <laughs> Kleenex. Do you want to sponsor us? Yes, we can give you right for your money. <laughs> we can. Alrighty, guys. We will see you guys next week. And again, make sure you follow Joanna wherever she is found on social media. And as always, you can find us on Twitter. And we will be back. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye. See you tonight. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Deliver Me a Podcast. If you want to know what's going to happen next week, be sure you are following us on Twitter at Deliver Me a Pod and on Instagram at Deliver Me a Podcast. We also have a merch store where you can buy tons of post things for you and your friends. We'll see you next week. <laughs>